Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just this morning. And Lord, today's a day, as it already has been said, that uh, we're going to rejoice and be glad in because you allowed us to wake up today. That in and of itself, Father, is a privilege. Lord, and it's something that we don't want to take for granted. Father, as we continue in this morning, we serve a God as we got to celebrate this last week, Father. We serve a God who conquered death. Lord, at some point, what's in us regarding that has to come out. Sometimes we say, oh, well, that... That certain worship song or that, that certain message or, or whatever didn't really, didn't really get me going. Well, it's Jesus, period. It doesn't matter what you sound like. As long as the word is being preached, it's Jesus. And Father, I thank you so much that creation won't outdo me. There's nothing in this world that can outdo God. And so Father, as we worship, we don't want anything to outdo our worship. No rock, <laughs> no tree will outdo me praising God because of what he's done for me in my life. And so, Lord, this morning, I, I pray for the reality of that to set in today. Lord, what do you want to do this morning? There's hearts in here that need your spirit. Lord, there's things going on in our lives that are rough, they're real, but you're also a God of joy. There's things going on in our lives that we want to praise your name for. And Lord, we don't want to be a fake individual this morning. Not saying that we are, but God, make it real for us. Spirit, be in this place. We invite you in this morning. And God, just ask for more of your, of your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. I'm thinking that most of you guys are getting used to me walking up and down this aisle. So you've decided to take or to sit like halfway and back <laughs> so that you don't have to turn around and, and look at a brother's back of the brother's, brother's head. It's okay. It's good. I like it because now I can, I got some room to work. I like to walk around. But thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, you could have spent your time anywhere else, but you've decided to come hang out with us today. So that I'm always grateful for that. And don't ever want to take that for granted. And so this is the group that we have this morning. We get to experience the Word together. And uh, that's what's going to be preached this morning, is just the Word of God. And as you walk in this place, don't ever want you to feel like you got to be somebody who you're not. Don't ever want you to feel like you got to put on, because that's not what we do here. We just <laughs> let the Spirit lead and let the Word guide us and let the Lord fill in the gaps. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to be continuing in the book of Romans. We're going to open up chapter 4 today, which is great. It's been an interesting ride from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 3. If you've been with us for any amount of time, we're just we're going through the book of Romans. It's going to take us probably another year to get through it, which is okay, because there's so much stuff going on in there that is, uh, yeah, I mean, if we really, really slowed down, we'd probably be here for the next, what, 10 years in Romans, and that's okay. Uh, being able to look at 
what Paul has communicated, what the Lord has communicated through Paul uh, from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way up until now, um, has been, uh, I guess you could kind of say, well, not kind of, let's just say this, it's not manic depressive, okay? We see Paul in his introduction be so encouraging and, hey, I want to spend time with you. And then he jumps into getting right in the Gentile's face and saying, here's the consequences to unbelief. Here's what happens when you choose not to believe in me. But then he gets at the Jews and says, look, if you call yourself a Jew, you've got to live like one. Ladies and gentlemen, if we call ourselves Christians, we've got to live like one. Are we living like one? Or are we simply just saying, I came to church that day. I came to the Wednesday night Bible study. I said, hey, I'll pray for you, brother. I didn't actually go and do that. <laughs> but basically putting on. All right? That's why I'm just saying, look, we don't got to put on. I fail every single day. And I'm the dude up front with the microphone. Or the thing on his ear, whatever you want to call it. Fail every single day. Nobody's asking you to be perfect. But what we are asking is just be real. Be real about where you are. Be real about who you are. Be real about who Jesus says he is. Amen? And be real about who Jesus says you are. It's big. The latter part of, of chapter 3 was what we preached two weeks ago because last week was Easter. And Easter was phenomenal. It was fun. Um, had a lot of people help out. Um, and uh, we had our, East, or, uh, excuse me, our noonday services where uh, the family kind of just came together and made that stuff go. It was good. Um, I'll be honest with you, Easter week is a lot. I'm kind of glad Easter week, the, the festivities, are, they've passed. But what Jesus did didn't pass. Amen? Yeah. All right. But before that, we were in the end of chapter 3, and it talks about justification by faith. What Jesus did a week ago on the cross is the only thing that will justify your faith. There is no amount of works. There's no amount of going to church. There's no amount of participating in Bible studies and saying and doing Christian things that can justify your faith. A man came in and said, look, you have sinned against me and a gap has been created. What I want to do is close the gap and I don't want you to have any hand in building the bridge. Let me build it. See, that's phenomenal. That's justification. His blood is the only thing that brings us into a just position and right before God. You know what he said? You screwed up, we screwed up, and I want to make it like it never happened. That's a God I want to serve. That is a God I want to serve. Paul is speaking to the Jewish nation, the Gentiles as well, about this works-based faith. I use an example every once in a while that when I don't feel like I'm doing a lot in my day or my week or I haven't gotten anything done, I'll just go clean everything, okay? All of it. I'll clean the house. I'll clean the truck like four times, all right? Just so it feels like I've got something done. When in reality, what I've learned about myself is when there's not something good going on here, my house is a mess. My truck is a mess. There's just, it's as a result, Okay? I don't need to be going and cleaning. I need to be getting on my knees and talking to the Lord about, let's call it soul care. Getting in front of him saying, what is it that needs to be gotten at? Being mature enough, hey, sometimes that's hard, mature enough to get on your knees and say, there's something wrong. Let's get after it. This works-based faith is what Paul is getting at. And then we get to chapter 4. 
And there's an there's a individual in chapter 4 that um, Paul speaks about, and his name is Abraham. I'm sure you guys have heard of Abraham before. I hope you have. If you haven't, let's sit down and talk about it. All right? It's a good dude. Abraham is literally considered... There's a, well, let me just back up for a second. There's a reason why Paul goes to talking about Abraham. He's still on this tip about explaining the fact that works cannot justify you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. But he brings up this individual, Abraham, who is considered the most esteemed man in the Jewish culture. Unbelievable. Now I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you know anything about Abraham, the Lord made a promise to him about some stuff, about having a child. Him and his wife were so far beyond childbearing years that he just made a promise to him. And my job up here as a pastor is not to teach, because I'm not a teacher. Beck is our teacher. Now, there's times where I can teach, and I can open up the word and, and, and look at the Greek and the Hebrew, but that's not my gifting. My gifting is, as a pastor, is taking care of people. So what I do is I proclaim the word of God. Here's what the word of God is saying. How does that apply to us? How do we then go live it out, right? Um, I've used this example before. I'm going to use it again. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but that's okay. I'm a man of one message. I don't mind saying that. I will never, ever bend down, pick up grass, and shove it in your mouth as a shepherd to the sheep. You'll never see a shepherd do that. They get led to green pasture, and it is their job to eat. I'm asking you this morning, as this word gets opened up, for you to chew on it and feed yourself. That's not my job. That's your job. Amen? It ain't your job to say amen and pat me on the back with all of that stuff and feed me. Does that make sense? It goes both ways. So we're going to be proclaiming the word of God this morning. As I was reading through this, it brought me to a place where I was thinking about the very moment that the Lord said to me, you're going to be a pastor, where he promised something to me. I didn't necessarily ask for that promise, okay? But he said, this is what I have for you. I was in junior high walking up Blevins uh, Hallway and one of their main hallways. And uh, I was next to the cafeteria, and right after the cafeteria is the men's and women's bathroom. And on that walk, I was just thinking, uh, who's going to preach like my dad preaches? Who's seen it from the beginning and knows the vision and, and just wants to, wants to do this stuff? And I was just going through the pastors we had at the time, and not like they were uh, bad or anything like that, but the Lord said very clearly, right to me, right there next to the drinking fountain, you will take over. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm 14 years old. I'm trying to figure out where my classes are, keeping my shoes tied, and you're telling me that I'm going to take over a church in however many years. There's a promise that was made to me, okay? But a couple years prior to that, in my 10, 11, 12-year-old body, mind thinking about things, my dad would always say to me, look, son, this is how this is going to play out. You make this decision, Here's how it's going to play out. Here's the result. And I would always be like, oh, yeah, right, Dad. You don't know what you're talking about. As if he'd never been a 10, 11, 12-year-old. As if he had never lived that life before, right? So after a while, I just said, look, everything that this guy is saying to me is happening. So I might as well just listen because there's a lot of pain that I could skip. Yeah. And so I just listened. And over the years... Here's, here's where I made the mistake, and this isn't my dad's fault. 
at all. He just was being a dad. Here's, here's my mistake. His word, my dad's word, became the word to me. Has anybody in here ever had your parents' faith be your faith or your friends' faith be your faith? Well, the Lord confronted me in that, all right? Some 10, 15 years later, I realized that I had put that word coming from my father's mouth ahead of Christ. Again, that's not his fault. That's my fault. You got to understand, this is exactly what the Jewish nation was doing with Abraham. They took Abraham, they put him on a pedestal. And because of his faith, at that moment, bless you, at that moment, the law of Moses hadn't come out. All right. This is before Moses, right? So they were saying the reason why Abraham's faith was so, um, so, uh, it was so potent at the time was because he could predict what God was going to say, and he just he, he lived it out before the Lord even told him, no, see, that is not it. Uh, Abraham spoke to the Lord every single day, all the time. The reason why he was able to have the faith that he did was because of his conversation with the Lord. But Paul is taking a very esteemed individual within the Jewish culture who they have raised up to a place that is not healthy and said, look, Abraham is still subject to the same principles that you are. The Lord had to say to me at one point, your dad is an amazing man. I made him, love him. I know you love him, but he is uh, subject to the same principles that you are. I can sin just as much as he can. He can sin just as much as I can, just as much as we can. So the Jewish nation can say, oh, well, um, they can preach to the brother who's beside them. They can kind of look at the relationship between the, the, the high-ranking officials in the church to talk about this justification of faith. Well, Paul just skips all that, and he goes right to the top. Goes right to Abraham and says, This man, he also, his works cannot justify his faith. So, what makes you think you are any different? Are you with me this morning? Okay, done with that introduction. That was a long introduction. I don't like that. Let us read so that we can understand what our text is for today. Um, and we'll get the content and context of what's being communicated this morning. So we're going to start off in verse 1, chapter 4, here. And I'm going to read through chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 8. And it says this, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And then something happened. It was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, Jesus Christ, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings on the man to whom God credited righteousness apart from works, blessed are those who lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not 
take in to account. Now, I'm a huge proponent of just saying that cash is king. Not like I gotta have all the cash. I'm not saying that because I definitely don't have all the cash. But like credit cards and all that stuff is, you would rather have cash so you can just pay for things and be done with it, right? But the reason I'm saying that is because does everybody in here probably have a bank account? Okay. Now, you go to that bank account because you have the ability to withdraw from that bank account. Now, hopefully there's sufficient enough funds in there for you to withdraw something more than 13 cents or $13. Hey, been there, all right? But we got this account that as things are deposited into this account, we can go and have access to withdraw from this account. Are you with me this morning? Right? What we're looking at here, what I want to bring out of this scripture is the amount of times that that word credited is used in there. And I want you to understand something this morning. That this isn't Alex's opinion. But it actually says to us in Scripture that there are things stored up for us in heaven. Do you know that you have access to withdraw those things? That there is a proverbial bank account, heavenly bank account, that has, has things deposited in them, not by you, but by God. But when he deposits those things in there, it's because of us walking in our faith and us believing. Are you with me this morning? If I told you that somebody deposited $500,000 into your account, <laughs> would you try to go make a withdrawal or would you just let that sit like, oh no, that's good, it's okay. If I told you the Lord credited it to your account because you believed he, he credited righteousness to your account, would you go make a withdrawal? Or would you just sit on it? Do you believe that you have access to it? Because I tell you what, I need to make a withdrawal today. Something that you have to understand about this word credited and about this word righteousness. We're going to look at the word credited in the, in the, uh, in the Greek. And it's going to give light to what's being said right here and why I'm talking about an account that can be withdrawn from. Are you guys with me this morning? Or are we like in La La Land? Are we all right? Okay, amen, amen. Gotten like four amens today. I don't know if you guys are awake. Apparently that's not very funny to you guys. It's cool. No, it's cool. In some translations, in verse 3 it says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him. Some translations say counted. But the Greek word for credited or counted is logiz... i got to say this right. Logizamaya. I think. Logizamaya. And here's what this means. I'm going to read this to you. It was used in early secular documents as this. Put down to one's account. Let my revenues be placed on deposit at the storehouse. Thus, God put to Abraham's account, placed on deposit for him, credited to him, righteousness. Now get this statement. Abraham possessed righteousness in the same manner as a person who possesses a sum of money placed in his account in a bank. Think about that. If there's money in my bank, I have access to that to use it. If you have righteousness, 
at your disposal, something that you can withdraw. I gotta ask ourselves the question, I gotta ask you the question, why aren't we withdrawing that? Do we know what righteousness is? The Greek definition of the word righteousness is this, all that God has approved. I'll say that again, all that God has approved, therefore, if because Abraham believed, it was credited, deposited to his account, righteousness, all that God, was, uh, all that God has approved, then can you imagine what you have to do? Huh, it's very simple. In order to make that withdrawal, or to have, excuse me, I don't want to get ahead of myself, to have that righteousness, everything that the Lord has approved, deposited into your account, is very simple. All you have to do is what the scripture says, and that's believe. There's no list. There's no, I got to be this person. I got to bring um, some God credits to the table. He's saying, I just need you to believe that I am who I said I am. And I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. Believe in that. It was credited to Abraham. Everything that the Lord approved. You know what withdrawal I want to make on a situation that is probably uh, not a fun one to deal with? I want to withdraw from the kingdom things that the Lord has approved and apply it to that situation. Does that make sense this morning? I don't want to draw from my own justification and apply it to my situation because guess what? I'll probably end up right at the same place again with my face right up against the wall wondering how did I get back here well I got back there because I was relying on myself rather than Jesus amen are you guys trucking with me this morning here is why Abraham believed and here is why I'm talking about this promise that the Lord made to me is because the Lord can say stuff to us he can promise us things and we have a choice with that he's not going to make you believe him He's going to ask you to. But as a result of your belief, what gets credited? Something greater than we could ever imagine. Do we not understand, or let's say, let's say this, let's not forget that what we looked at in the latter part of chapter 1 was unbelief and its consequences. Here we're talking about belief and its consequences. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Yes. Abraham, let's go to, uh, you got it up there already, Genesis 15. Uh, and is there, is there verse 1 up there at all? Did I put that in there? No, I didn't? Okay, I'll just read this then. So, this is the promise that was made to Abraham, and it says Abram, and that's before the Lord changed his name. It says, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham, excuse me, Abram said, since you, have given, uh, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my, is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heaven and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Abraham was well beyond his childbearing years. <laughs> his wife, same thing. But this is what the Lord said. 
Do you know what the Lord did after that? <laughs> he made it happen. The Lord said something to me when I was 14. You know what he did after that? <laughs> hey, in front of you. He made it happen. Whether I liked it or not. Okay? What I brought to the table was a whole lot of running from that. Straight up. I did a good job of keeping one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And the Lord yanked me right out of that. And said, look, I'm going to have you be what I want you to be. So we can continue this struggle or we can just whip and just go. I chose the, uh, the go part, just so you know. <laughs> but Abraham, in other parts of the, war, uh, the word, kind of said, Lord, I, well, I'm too old. He brought every excuse in the book. But then it says... Uh, he got to a place, and this is um, this is the verse in verse three. Verse three is quoting Old Testament scripture. For what does the scripture say? It's telling us. It's quoting Old Testament scripture. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now we can go through the gymnastics of trying to tell God that our plan is better than His or our circumstance says that the Lord's not going to come through, we can't be successful, you just name it. We can go through that gymnastics. I mean, we really can. Or we can do one simple thing. And it's simply, like it was, it was preached about two weeks ago, jump off the cliff where the Lord is at the bottom with his arms ready to catch you. And you believe, not according to your past, not according to what you've been through, not according to what happened even this morning, but you believe according to what God said, and you believe according to what he's done. Amen? Amen. And that belief, ladies and gentlemen, it activates something. See, God just doesn't want you to believe for belief's sake. He's saying, I need you to believe because once you do, there's something that's at your disposal. It's everything that I approve of so that you can take that and apply it to your situation, to your thinking, to your circumstance. Are you chuckling with me this morning? Yeah? Somebody, somebody in here want to make a withdrawal this morning? I've asked that already. I'll tell you what, I do. Today can be the day that you make a withdrawal if you want. If you want. If you choose to. Let me say that. Let me be real about that. Now let me real quick go to Matthew 6 verses 19 and 20. And this isn't on the slides. But this is pertaining to what we store up for ourselves. And it says this. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to make sure I connect this well. 
because I think I stumbled over myself in first service. <laughs> but people got it. It's good. The Lord, the Lord spoke. I just want to make sure I connect this well. That is, is Paul is continuing to talk about works. That's still on the table. He's talking about Abraham because he's bringing up this person who the Jewish nation put on a pedestal and said, look, even this guy is subject to the same principles. We're still talking about works, right? As I sit up here and I preach, for me to store up things on earth that are of any kind of significance, every time you say amen, hey, good message, pastor, do I store that up and let that build my confidence because of what you say? Do you let other people pour into you? I'm not saying, uh, let me just say this, good or bad. And do we use that to build our confidence in ourselves? I could let that. Hey, finished a job. It was, it was good. I'm talking about the construction stuff and the, the client was happy. Pat yourself on the back. Man, that just, beep, that gives me something. But what happens when nobody says amen? <laughs> what happens when you say, Pastor, I think you missed it. See, I've, I've built up for myself and I've stored up things for myself that rust, moths will come and eat and destroy and the world will come and steal. Do you know that if your confidence is in anything other than Jesus, the world will come and steal it? It's true stuff. So it's saying, build up for yourself treasures in heaven. It does not say that Abraham believed God and man credited to him righteousness. I love you guys to death. I really do. But I could care less if you think, or I guess I could care less if you credit me righteousness. <laughs> I hope that you care less if I could credit you righteousness because it means nothing. I'm going to die someday. Everyone in here has got to deal with the reality of death. Everyone. Nobody's exempt from that. So the righteousness that is credited is from God himself. As a result of my not my unbelief, but my belief. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, do you believe? Because if you do, when you do, the amount of times you choose believing in Christ over believing that whatever situation that presents itself is a little bit more attractive than Jesus' word. When you believe in Jesus' word, righteousness is credited to your account. It was credited to Abraham. Do we know why it was credited? Abraham. He actually had that child. He went in front of God and tried to make it happen himself and that's where we get Ishmael. Now Abraham backed off of that and said I'm going to do it God's way and that's where we get Isaac. Isaac is that individual. It's that son that the Lord promised him. There's a whole other message in that. I could rabbit trail on that for days. All right? But nonetheless, that promise came to fruition. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, I want you to take Isaac. I want you to go up this mountain. I want you to prepare an altar. And I want you to sacrifice your son to me, the one I gave you. <laughs> yeah. The Lord asked me to do that ever. I can't even, I can't even imagine that. Fathers in here or, or sons thinking about your dad having to do that? No. Are you kidding me? The world... I mean, I'm talking about Jesus now, but the world isn't worth that much for my dad to sacrifice me. But God saw Jesus as enough. Now, obviously, we're talking about Abraham here, but he, he does what the Lord asks him to do. 
He prepares for this journey. He goes up onto this mountain. The moment he's about, he's got the knife in his hand, about to kill his son, the Lord stops him and says, Look, now I know that I am your God. Now I know who's God of your life. And what was provided was some, some ram that was caught in the thicket over here by his, his horns. Um, a sacrifice was provided. But the whole point of that, that scripture is that to the point of a crossroads in Abraham's life, he still believed. Now i tell you what, everybody in here is probably going to go through crossroads, maybe even this week. Maybe you've been through one. I can't tell you the day you're going to go through one, another one. But when you get to that place where it's not necessarily a crisis of faith, but it's a crisis of what you believe in. Do you believe in who God says he is, or do you believe in what you're telling yourself you think about yourself, which probably isn't as good as what the word is saying? When you get to that point, do we choose to believe, or do we choose not to? A lot of questions being asked this morning. <laughs> I'm asking and, and, and encouraging you guys this morning to see the seriousness of what's being said here. That if Abraham is no different than me, then when Abraham believed and it was credited to him righteousness, when I believe, it's credited to me righteousness. When you believe, it's credited to you as righteousness. And you can make a withdrawal on that. Amen? Need, uh, I'm going to ask it again. Do you want to make a withdrawal this morning? <laughs> Buddy. Hell yeah. I'm into that. We'll see what the Lord wants to do with that one. Paul begins to further explain himself. It says, Now to the one, and this is verse 4, Now to the one who works... His wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, Jesus Christ, his faith is credited as righteousness. Now some of us could read that and be like, okay, to the one who doesn't work, but believes, God's got him. I guess that means I'm just going to go to my boss tomorrow and say, look, I ain't coming to work no more. But Jesus has it taken care of. That's not what we're talking about, okay? So don't go to your work and say, hey, my pastor said I need to turn in my two weeks. Because then I'll get an email and that's just not good. But if we're talking about works here, works that don't justify your faith, justification by faith and not justification by works, plug that into this. Now to the one who works, the one who tries, the one who analogy that I used earlier with myself, spend all my time trying to make myself feel good about getting something done. That, that type of work. It's credit to you, not as, credited to myself, not as favor. Uh, let me make sure I read this right. His wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. Now there's two sides to that coin. If I go out and I work 40 hours a week, you better believe I want to get paid for 40 hours a week. My boss wouldn't come up to me and say, hey, look, those 40 hours, let's get, you know, high five, good job, man, you got your stuff done, here's like a piece of gum or something, piece of candy, you just go home, thank you, there's so much favor, I just love, it. thanks, man, he, no, I would say, love you too, but I need to get paid because I got bills I got to pay, brother, 
I got a truck I got to maintain. I got food I got to put on the table, all right? Now, you will get what is due to you if the motivation comes from your work trying to bring you closer to the Lord. And this is why I'm saying there's two, uh, excuse me, two sides to, this, to this, uh, this conversation. Yes, you will get what is due to you, but what is due when it comes to work is not the blood of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It's very simple. There's not a whole lot of diving into that and trying to expand on it other than saying, if you try to put work in, that's exactly what you'll get out, the, the, the work that you put in. But, uh, to the one who does, uh, but believes, okay, verse 5, but to the one who does not work, does not strive, but lets the Lord take care of it, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, believes in Jesus, his faith is credited as righteousness. And here, as we close this, it says, here's the result. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. David is speaking of the man who chooses to believe. Abraham chose to believe. Do you choose to believe? Here's the result. Here's what you get. Not only righteousness credited to your account, but blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. When you believe, your lawless deeds have been forgiven. Your sins have been covered. Verse 8. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. That's a result. I would rather choose that than instant gratification. I would rather choose blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account than my own mode of operation that leaves me face down in the mud 100% of the time. Not sometimes, not, oh, it worked 50%, of, no, 100% of the time, me putting my hands on the situation has never worked. I can guarantee that's the way it is for everyone else in this room. Why? Because that's how the Lord operates. <laughs> you ain't got to fight with me on that one, all right? That's just what Scripture says. You guys with me this morning? So, Let me read through this whole thing one more time. And hopefully we got an understanding now of this principle that applies to everybody. Righteousness being credited to your account. When, what then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man, whom God credit, 
credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and those whose sin has been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. You know, this kind of... Sometimes messages get put together as I'm preaching. <laughs> this kind of just got dropped in me a little bit here. The end of verse 5 it says, uh, the whole verse 5, but to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly his small h faith is credited as righteousness as all that which God has approved now if we back up and think about and talk about what faith is well, man we've been on this one a couple Sundays in a row everybody in here has faith but it's what you have faith in this is saying that when you believe in who Jesus said he is and that's it. That he looks at that decision and he says, I approve that. I don't know about you guys, but I want the Lord to say, I approve of you. That's a huge statement. For the Lord to look at me and say, well done. I approve of your faith in this moment. I'm going to credit it as everything that I have approved. Man, that's heavy. And guess what? <laughs> All he's asking you to do is, is come with a, a real heart that believes in the Word, which the Word tells us who God is, how He operates, His character, talks about who we are, who we are in Christ. I mean, let me just pause right there. When we believe in that, He looks at each and every one of you and says, I approve of you. You guys struggling with me this morning? I hope this stuff is making sense. And I'm hoping that if you walk away here with anything, you understand that there is treasure stored up for you because of your belief, because of your faith. And that because of the fact that you are a child of God, He wants you to withdraw from that. This morning, I believe there's some people in here who need to make a withdrawal. I do. What that withdrawal is, is applied to, I, I think the Lord is going to speak to you on that one. But this speaks to an active relationship, an active faith with Christ. The belief that we have, He sees that, credits something to us. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, go and do something with it. Do not let today be another Sunday message where you're saying oh well I can't wait to get out of here so we can blah 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 I don't know I'm not saying you guys are saying that that's kind of mean let me back up from that <laughs> you're here it's good don't leave but what I am saying is when you walk away from this place let it change the way that you live amen. withdraw from the kingdom not from self amen Amen. Let's get the, the worship team uh, back up here and get prepared for our offering. Um, I did this in, in first service, and I think the Lord wants me to do this again. I do this every once in a while. Um, the only 
prompted by the Spirit because I think it's, it's specific to what the Lord wants to say today and that He's prepared somebody before even showing up here this morning. Um, a word. He's dropped a word into somebody today. That is for the body. It's for us. It's for this morning. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, we, had a, we had a gentleman get up. You guys have probably heard Billy sing. Billy got up and brought some stuff and it was... It, it pointed towards, uh, I mean, it hit with everybody in the room. Let me say that. Let's come up here. Uh, we'll just pray for this offering, and we'll jump into the, the closing of this, this service. But I just want to prime the pump on that one real quick. Uh, Father, thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing uh, this morning, Lord, and just revealing your word to us and the fact that we just have access, Lord. Pray that you would show us how to step into that access, Lord, to open up the door, to, to withdraw from the kingdom. Lord, this morning as this plate gets passed, I just I pray that we can see it as worship, as, as giving to you what is already yours. And Lord, that you would just bless whatever gets, gets put in the plate that comes from a place of joyful giving. Lord, again, we just release to you what is yours and ask for you to bless it so that we can continue what we do here and reach this city. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and, go ahead and pass that. So I'm just going to ask this question again. That, you know, if, there's, if the Lord has been tugging on your heart today, this morning, to, to say something, to bring a word, that isn't a teaching. It's not a teaching. But something that's for us, it's corporate, it's for the body. I just want to be obedient and just ask that. What we, what we believe here at ESS is that it's okay to swing for the fence and it's okay to miss. But that missing is not somehow, how do I say this? Showing that we're not listening to the Spirit. Let me say that. This is a safe place. Ain't nobody going to judge you. But if there's something in you that the Lord has prepared before even showing up here, what I want to do is just release you to come up here and say that and, and communicate that with this body. And you know that might have only been for, for first service. I don't know. I feel like the Lord's asking me to say that again so I'm just going to give it a little bit more time here I just want you to know don't don't be afraid if you got that heart pumping right there that probably means you're supposed to be up here because <laughs> anybody's that word in here this morning alright okay that's okay so let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning because as we close this morning, I asked you guys a question. Are you ready to make a withdrawal this morning? A message was preached two weeks ago about simply jumping off of the cliff and deciding to go on to go into a deeper level with the Lord. What I want to do is give that invitation when it comes to making a withdrawal and Maybe today is a day where you're saying to the Lord, look, 
I want to go to the next level when it comes to my faith. I want to go to the next one deeper. I want to understand you on a deeper level. And I'm, I'm ready to jump off of the cliff. I'm ready to take a step and let you do the rest. If there's anybody in here this morning who is ready to push past that threshold and step into a new understanding of who Jesus is, a new experience with him, a, new, a, a deeper relationship with who he is, we're going to sing this song and then I'm just going to park myself up here. And if that's you, if you want to go deeper, if you want to understand more, if you want to experience Christ more so than you have past month, past year, and you feel like you need more, you might be stagnant, come up here and let me pray for you. We had a good amount of people come up first service. They're just ready to go. Ready to take the next step and not be the same person that they were. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to come up front after we sing this song. Amen? So let's, let's sing this as we close and just let the Lord kind of speak to you. your name the nations. I praise your name.